coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. And in 14 days, I could get 98% of people fat adapted without any of the side effects. And it takes two steps. The first step is to have a gradual decrease in your total carbohydrates. And you would do that by monitoring how many carbs you're having. If you're eating a standard American diet, you're having 300 to 400 grams of carbs per day. Mm -hmm. So on day one, you go from 300 grams of carbs to 250 grams. On day two, you go to 200 grams. So gradually decrease. That's step number one until eventually you go and your upper limit for total carbohydrates is 50 grams of total carbs from green leafy vegetables. At the same time, this is step number two, you want to increase your healthy fat. So your body now sees all this dietary clean fat and it starts to see, oh, okay, glucose is dropping. Don't panic. We have all these fatty acids to burn for fuel. And then we could actually burn that, send that to the liver and create ketones. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed certified health coach and best-selling author, Ben Azadi. Ben is the author of four best-selling books, Keto Flex, The Perfect Health Booklet, the Intermittent Fasting Cheat Sheet, and The Power of Sleep. Ben is the founder of Keto Camp, a global brand bringing awareness to ancient healing strategies such as the keto diet and fasting. In this interview, we discussed how to get keto adapted, his fat adaption formula, Keto Camp Academy, and some of the biggest intermittent fasting mistakes that people make, along with his one tip to get your body back to what it once was. I really enjoyed my interview with Ben. He's got a ton of great tips. And he talks about something called a vitamin G. See if you can think of what that is. So enjoy the interview and thanks so much for listening. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin and I have Ben Azadi on. Welcome to the show, Ben. Brian, I am excited to be here with you to get lean and eat clean with you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I love your backdrop, a little keto camp. We're going to talk all things keto for the most part, and maybe a little bit of fasting, a lot of topics that we talk about on my podcast. So I think we have a lot in common and, uh, I'm excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here and you're coming on my show soon. So it's going to be a fun collaboration with each other. Very cool. And, uh, before we get into the details of some things, why don't we talk about your background, you know, how you got into keto and coaching and, um, you got a sweet website. So yeah, tell us how, how you got involved with that. Absolutely. I, I was somebody who followed a standard American diet, like many of us do. It's a very high processed, toxic diet. And that's what I ate growing up. Didn't know any better. So I followed a standard American diet. I was left to my own devices growing up. So I hung out with the wrong crowd, did drugs, sold drugs, skipped school, got kicked out of school. I was a really bad kid. And this <laughs> showed up with my physical appearance. I was physically obese, but also mentally obese, mentally bankrupt, toxic thoughts, suicidal thoughts, depression. Mm. And I found myself back in 2008, 24 years old, being uh, a very much obese individual who wanted to give up on life at that point. I was rock bottom. I was looking for ways to end my life. And I felt like I was 94 years old, even though I was only 24 years old. And I knew I needed to make a change. 
but I wanted to give up. I, I didn't want to even fight for life. I wanted to give up. And every time I looked at suicide, I kept thinking about my mother and it kept stopping me. Thank God. So I started to read books, Brian, I picked up one book, which led to five books, which led to 15 books. And I fell in love with these amazing authors, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Lisa Nichols, Bob Proctor, Earl Nightingale, Jim Rohn. I mean, I just fell in love and I became obsessed with learning from these giants. And I started to stand on the shoulder of these giants. And the books did a lot for me, but the most important thing the books did for me back then until this day the books helped me take responsibility. I, for the first time ever, took responsibility. And that word responsibility, that's your ability to respond to life. My ability to respond to life up until that point was really poor. I was blaming my genetics. I was blaming my enabling family members. I was blaming my slow metabolism. I was blaming the president. I was blaming whatever I could get my hands on. But the books helped me take ownership. And in that instance that I said, I am responsible, I became the victor of my destiny and I stopped being the victim of my history. And I started to exercise, I started to eat better. And I went through this incredible transformation, this nine month transformation. I went from 250 pounds down to 170 pounds. I went from 34% body fat down to 6% body fat, finally carved out a physical six pack. But the most important thing that I achieved was a, a mental six pack. I started to think better thoughts and that's what got me started in the health space, Brian. That was 13 years ago. Became a personal trainer, uh, opened up a CrossFit gym, sold the CrossFit gym, and then I went 100% online and became a certified health coach and then started Keto Camp. So in a nutshell, that's the, the journey in the last 13, 14 years. Wow, quite the journey. Um, what, did, what would you say, gosh, 2008, so it's been 12 years, and how long did you have the CrossFit gym for? I opened up the CrossFit gym in 2013 and then sold yeah. it. I sold my shares in 2018. So four and a half years or so I had for, yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, along the whole time, as far as getting into obviously keto and things like that, you went from the standard American diet to, uh, what, what helped you sort of transition into keto and, um, and has, and has your stance changed at all from how you, you know, sort of lost that a bunch of weight to now where you're at? Yes. So I, I didn't discover keto actually until 2013. So I okay. didn't use keto to lose the weight, but it was a very important lesson because although I lost the weight, I, I went from 250 pounds to 170 pounds. I was fit. I was still one of those fit, sick people. I had digestive issues. I had acne. I had brain fog. So I wasn't necessarily healthy. Right. I did excessive exercise and I, I started to eat better and any kind of change would have gotten me results and that got me results, but I was still trying to explore what true health felt like and what true health looked like. And it wasn't until 2013 that I discovered keto. I was actually coming off of a vegan diet, <laughs> plant-based for a year and a half, strict vegan, which did not work well for me. And then I discovered ketosis and fasting and fell in love with it. And yeah, I've learned a lot of things along the way, even with keto and fasting, you know, I've learned not to be dogmatic. I learned that we are not really designed to be in ketosis forever. We should flex in and out. Mm -hmm. And the ultimate goal is uh, metabolic flexibility and freedom. Yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm finding that out with my journey. I was sort of like yourself, not in the sense that I was necessarily like big time overweight and things like that, but, um, 
I was like a pescatarian or mm. I, I was almost like a vegetarian for a while and then got into fish. But I, you find that that's a common theme. A lot of people maybe start plant-based and think that's like the one all thing. And then they realize that perhaps they're missing out <laughs> a little bit. What, what made you make the switch from like a vegetarian into, um, you know, into keto and probably I would assume majority of your diets probably more on the, on the meat-based side. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, yeah it was even worse than vegetarian. I was a strict vegan, right? Oh, it was, it go. was even like more restrictive, <laughs> dude. Uh, what made me switch out of it, you know, in the beginning as being a vegan, the first couple of months were great. Uh, right. I felt better. I performed better, but then you stick with it too long. Then all of a sudden you hit that vegan wall and that's what happened with me. But I was very dogmatic about being a vegan. I was telling all my friends and family, I was telling all my social media friends, like, you're going to save the world. You're going to save your health. This is the right. only way to do it. So I put myself in a box, lesson learned. Don't put yourself in a box. Be open to this not actually being a lifelong thing that you do, maybe short term. And then I just stuck with it. But I know I knew that I didn't feel great. And I felt like my hormones were off. I was taking me days to recover from simple workouts. Right. So... I did lab work, lab work verified how I was feeling. And I decided, okay, I need to make a change. And then I started to study other individuals like Paul Cech, uh, Dave Asprey at that time, Dr. Jason Fung and Dr. Pompa, who's now my mentor. And then I discovered ketosis and I discovered these ancient healing strategies, ketosis, intermittent fasting, and how they've been around forever. We're actually designed to use both energy systems, the ketogenic energy system and the uh, sugar burning energy system, the glucose energy system is just that so many people are stuck in as sugar burners. And I was at, a, at that, that time, a sugar burner. So I wanted to tap into a fat burning state, a ketosis. And I, and I made that transition studying these ancient healing strategies. And it was a game changer for my health. I started to really feel what true cellular health felt like. And I fell in love with it. Yeah. And what would you say to someone to make that transition, what are maybe some good first steps for that individual who's been maybe a sugar burner for a long time and they want to start, you know, getting into ketosis? Um, what, what, what are some good first steps? Yeah. First of all, I think it's a great question. And then the, the person wants to get clear on why they want to burn fat instead of sugar. And the reason why, and I, you teach this Brian, but the reason why is when you're stuck burning sugar, it's highly inflammatory. Your cells are creating a lot of byproducts, cellular byproducts, a lot of cellular smoke, toxins, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it just inflames the, the, the cell membrane and it creates a lot of inflammation. It, it ages you faster. If you're stuck burning sugar, it ages you faster. I always burn a cell, uh, excuse me, I always compare a cell that's burning sugar to a truck with all this smoke coming out of the exhaust pipe. The truck it's not healthy for the surrounding environment when your cells are stuck burning glucose. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's not healthy for your cells. It's moving down the highway, but ain't moving good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it's pushing down the highway, but it's making all this dirty smoke all over right. the other cars. Not a good idea. <laughs> when you could teach the body and the cells to burn fat and use ketones, it's like a Tesla, cleaner, cleaner source of energy versus the truck. Mm. That's why you want to do it. How do you do it? Well, in, in chapter one of my, or in pillar one of my book, Keto Flex, I talk about a two-step approach to getting fat adapted instead of being sugar adapted. I'll share it here. Sure. And in 14 days, I could get 98% of people fat adapted without any of the side effects. And it takes two steps. The first step is to have a gradual decrease in your total carbohydrates 
And you would do that by monitoring how many carbs you're having. If you're eating a standard American diet, you're having 300 to 400 grams of carbs per day. Mm -hmm. So on day one, you go from 300 grams of carbs to 250 grams. On day two, you go to 200 grams. So gradually decrease. That's step number one until eventually you go and your upper limit for total carbohydrates is 50 grams of total carbs from green leafy vegetables. At the same time, this is step number two, you want to increase your healthy fat. So your body now sees all this dietary clean fat and it starts to see, oh, okay, glucose is dropping. Don't panic. We have all these fatty acids to burn for fuel. And then we could actually burn that, send that to the liver and create ketones. So there's something called the 2222 rule, which I wrote about in my book. This is the second step. Every single day for those first seven days, you want to consume two tablespoons of avocado oil or olive oil, two tablespoons of grass-fed butter or grass-fed ghee, two tablespoons of coconut oil or MCT oil, and then two teaspoons of sea salt. If you hit that with the gradual decrease in carbs in seven to 14 days, you're going to be fat adapted without any of the side effects. Interesting. You know, I've had a lot of people on my podcast and, and I've not heard the two, two, two. Well, how did you come up with that? So it's actually was created for my mentor, Dr. Pampa. And okay. it made, it made so much sense because he, here's the, the challenges that, cause I've taken thousands of people through, you know, a protocol to get them sugar burner to fat burner. Mm -hmm. One of the challenges is, is, is this, when glucose drops in the brain, the brain panics and it sends the body intense signals for sugar and carbohydrates, and it makes it unbearable as you're making that switch. Mm. So as you're gradually decreasing the carbs, instead of a drastic decrease, you're now throwing in all of this healthy, stable fat, and your body starts to see all the fatty acids floating around. So now glucose is dropping, but the brain doesn't panic because now the body's burning all the fat. And then now it's producing ketones. So they're stable, clean fats. So that along with the sea salt, because you do have a lowering in insulin, which then the kidneys release excess electrolytes with the, with that happening could create what's called the keto flu, which is really carbohydrate withdrawal symptoms. So as you increase the electrolytes and the fat, you're able to bypass any of those symptoms that most people might get as they make that transition. Yeah, that's, that's, I love that. And it's interesting that you're having them take, uh, what'd you say? Two tablespoons of each, two tablespoons of the fat, and then two teaspoons of the sea salt. Okay. Got it. And this is just something they're going to drink. Just plain. They could have it. It's a good or, question. Cause I yeah. get asked that a lot. <laughs> they <laughs> would have could. it throughout the entire day, Brian. Okay. So it's, you know, in their coffee, their tea, their cooking oil, their salad dressings, their dips. It's throughout the whole day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Um, and so with that, um, this is actually something that's come about in my own life a little bit, D dangers of long-term ketosis, um, sort of the other end of the spectrum, right? We've gone from getting you into it. Now I will say this, I, the reason I'm asking about maybe the dangers of long-term ketosis is the fact that, you know, for someone for myself, who's, who's been low carb for a while, just almost just cause I feel better that way. I've noticed my last probably four blood works. I have a higher fasting blood glucose than normal. And, um, you'd think I'd be like pre-diabetic, but I, I know, <laughs> I know that I'm not. And I was, I've been, the more and more I've been researching it, honestly, this has just been going on recently. I'm like, wow, th this is a thing. Um, maybe perhaps on the other end of a spectrum, um, 
what are your thoughts on coming in and out of ketosis and how that could be helpful for someone that's maybe been already fat adapted and being keep, uh, been in ketosis for a while? Yeah, it's a very important topic of discussion because I love keto. I think it's an amazing tool, but it's not the only tool in the shed. It's one of many, many tools. When we look back at our ancestors, every single one of our ancestors did keto. That's a fact. There's nothing new about ketosis. There's nothing new about keto. It's just nuanced. Every single one of our ancestors did keto. At the same token, same fact, they also flexed out whenever they had the opportunity. So I love getting the body fat adapted. And I just shared how to do that. Right. Keeping the person in ketosis, whether it's a male or female, both of them for eight to 12 weeks straight to get them keto adapted, which is different than fat adaption. Keto adaption takes longer. That's when now the mitochondria and the cells prefer ketones as their primary fuel source. That takes eight to 12 weeks. Once they're there, then we start flexing. Uh, you might call it carb cycling. You might call it something else. I call it keto flexing, meaning going in and out of ketosis, which I, I believe is very important for men and females. And um, how you would do that would be several different ways that I talk about in the book, but maybe having one day out of the week where you do no fasting and you have higher healthy carbs and you're intentionally getting yourself out of ketosis. You're getting that insulin spike to go up, but insulin could be important for certain hormonal conversions. Thyroid T4 needs to convert to T3. Insulin helps make that conversion. It also could reset your, your leptin levels. It, al it also could reset your sex hormone binding globulin. And it also could help with glucose and, and fat burning as well, to your point, because when you're long-term ketosis, the body will start to preserve its fuel source, which is fat. It'll slow down fat burning and it'll forget how to, how to use the other pathway, which is the glucose burning pathway. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to flex in and out and have one day out of the week. Men could be a little bit more aggressive with keto and fasting. Women need to do more flexing, especially women who have their menstrual cycle, which I talk about in uh, chapter 12 of my book, Keto Flex. Yeah, no, it, it's, it, that makes a ton of sense. Maybe picking a day. Um, I know, um, you know, like Dr. Saladino talks about, um, how he got into honey. <laughs> um, do, yeah. Do, yeah. Do you have thoughts on, on certain carbohydrates? I know you mentioned leafy vegetables. Um, what if someone's sensitive to that? Would you say maybe the, the lower toxic end of the things of, of maybe even fruit or honey as, as a way to get out of ketosis? Yeah. So in, in pillar three of my four pillar approach, I actually teach carnivore. I think carnivore is great short term. And I love Saladino's work. I'm actually speaking with him this Thursday. Hmm. Uh, I, I love it as a tool, but the goal is not to be carnivore forever. The goal is not to be keto forever. The goal is not to do any diet long-term, but if you do carnivore for 30 to 60 days, great way to reset the gut. And then you can start reintroducing vegetables. Now, if you find that you're still not doing well with vegetables, then to your point and to Paul's point, have fruit, which are much, much safer, less uh, plant toxins than vegetables. And you could have like honey and berries, cantaloupe, I mean, different things mm -hmm. to flex out, but you have, everybody will have their different level of what they can have versus, versus what they can have. But the goal is not to avoid vegetables for the rest of our life. The goal is to get your gut healthy enough so you could process that and have a hermetic benefit because there's an argument to be made that even though they're plant toxins, they could stress your gut which will force your gut to adapt, which will make a stronger gut, create more diversity. But some people just have their gut so wrecked, they have to avoid it altogether and have things like fruit. So it's going to be dependent on the person to answer your question. Yeah. And I'm curious, just what's your 
typical routine or what, what part, like what's your, I guess, what a weekly eating routine is like uh, for Ben? Yeah. Good question. <laughs> I do carnivore um, three to four times a year where I'll do 30 to 60 days straight. I'll throw that in all the time. I always feel really good with carnivore, like a level two, level three carnivore. Uh, now in general, I'll do 80% I'm in ketosis, 20% I'm out. And that could vary depending, like, let's say this Friday, right? It's New Year's Eve. Uh, I'm going to my fiance's parents. So we're going to spend time there. So I know she's going to cook a whole bunch of food and it's not going to be keto friendly. So that's going to be my <laughs> keto flex night where I'm going to flex out. And then the next day, Saturday, I'm going to, you know, be fasted and get right back into ketosis, which is, you know, true metabolic freedom. So to answer your question, I eat mostly meats. I do really, you said it earlier. That's what your guess was. I eat mostly meat. I do really well with red meat and different types of seafood and eggs and um, not so much with dairy, but like goat and, and sheep. I do well with versus cow dairy. Mm -hmm. uh, I do okay with, with bitters like arugula and, and dandelion greens, not so much with like spinach and kale that's higher in oxalates. And I'll have some fruit as well, but meat based is, is what I primarily do. I feel really good when I'm eating mostly meat. Okay. And you're doing like two meals a day, one meal a day, two. five meals a day, <laughs> <laughs> not five, definitely not five. <laughs> so I have on, on most days I have an eating window of like 1 PM to 6 p.m. and I'll have two substantial meals in the in that window. Oh, all right. We're we're along the same lines then. Nice. Right. <laughs> and then too. and then what about workouts? How does your workout schedule work? I work out in the fasted state before I break my fast. So nice. usually around 11 a.m. Or, or noon, I'll work out like earlier today I worked out, I had a really good workout, fasted and then I broke the fast afterwards. So I would say 98% of the time when I work out, I do it in the fasted state. I feel much better. All right. We got a lot in common here. <laughs> nice. nice. Um, well, um, I noticed on your website, you have this keto camp Academy, uh, yeah. maybe give a little insight into that. Um, and what individuals can get from that. So my keto camp Academy, thank you for asking about that, Brian. Yeah. It is my signature course. Um, it is a, our premier course, which teaches the four pillars in detail. It's all online, hundred percent online. So we have hundreds and hundreds of members from all across the world. And it gives you my four pillar approach to ketone fasting. There's over 200 videos in there. We also offer not just the structure, but we also offer uh, health coaching, group coaching. So two 90 minute calls on zoom group calls every month, along with monthly master classes and special live streams to my podcast. So it's an amazing program right now. It's $97 a month. And it's, um, you know, canceling time sort of thing. And we are just excited to get as many people as possible in that program to educate them. The overall goal with the Academy is not to lose weight, which a lot of people want to, but you don't lose weight to get healthy. The overall goal is to get you healthy, to lose weight. And by doing, getting you healthy, how do we do that? We help you identify interference, inflammation, and we help you lower that interference inflammation around your cells. And as you do that, with keto, with fasting, with sleep, with carnivore, et cetera, then the weight comes off and the symptoms go away. Then you get off your medication with your doctor. And we've seen amazing transformations, amazing testimonials with somebody who has been dealing with PCOS for years, haven't had their periods in years and 30 days into it, they get their period back. Uh, type two diabetics, 60 days off their meds, high blood pressure off their meds within 30 days. I mean, the body's amazing. It could heal as long as you do your part and remove the interference. So the Keto Camp Academy is our signature course, which teaches all of that. And also we give health coaching in a group setting. Wow. That sounds like a great program. Um, I'm curious. I just, a specific thing that just came to my mind. What, what, what about, you know, I'm sure you get people who are 
there's a lot of carb addicts out there, right? And I know you talked about sort of a way to wean off. When you wean them down, let's say they're used to eating bagels and bread and cereals. When you wean them down from, let's just say, 300 grams of carbs a day, getting them into the 50, do, getting into those 50, are we, are we, instead of the bagel, what are we doing? Are we, are we going, you know, green leafy vegetables, or are we just saying we're having less of that source? Or I'm just curious uh, your thoughts around that. Yeah. Great question. You asked some really good questions, Brian. That one is, is, is important because a lot of people do have sugar addiction, carb addiction. Now I'm not a sugar addiction expert. However, I am somebody who used to be addicted to sugar and carbs myself. So I've been through it and I have been, I've been able to overcome it. And I have interviewed amazing real experts on sugar addiction. You're a bit, you're, so how, how do I put this in a way that makes sense? Your addiction to sugar and carbs is proportional to your inability to burn fat as an energy source. So as you burn fat with that two, 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 two rule, keep your electrolytes up it'll help with the addiction. Now, some people need some additional support. What does that mean? Yeah, your carbs should come from green leafy vegetables, non-starchy vegetables. Even with that, some people could struggle. It could take 28 days or longer to overcome this with the struggle. So focusing on protein would be huche because as you know, protein activates cholecystokinin, peptide YY, leptin, these satiety hormones and chemicals. So higher protein could benefit somebody like that. And then supplementation like GABA, L-glutamine could, uh, I always say glutamine will help you wean. It calms the part of the brain that lights up when you experience a sugar addiction. So they might need some consideration. So I would refer that person to some of the interviews I've done. Mm. We've done master classes with sugar addiction experts and they might need some professional help or they might not, but um, you know, protein is going to be important for that individual. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely prioritizing protein first. I agree with that. Um, what about let's shift into fasting a little bit. Cause we both like to talk about that. I noticed on your website, you talk about, I didn't watch the video cause I wanted to ask you the questions. I'm just curious what your thoughts were five intermittent fasting rules not to break. Mm. <laughs> and I noticed you have that up there. What, what, uh, what are your five fasting rules that, you, uh, that are not to be broken? Let's see if I remember them. Number one, <laughs> <laughs> I would say the, the rule not to break is that if you're new to fasting, go low and slow, build up your fasting muscle. The way you should view fasting is as a muscle. You wouldn't be a couch potato for 20 years and say, I'm going to go do a CrossFit workout tomorrow. It's going to look ugly. Right. You got to train for that wad. You got to train for that workout. Same thing with fasting. If you're a sugar burner eating every two to three hours throughout the entire day and say, I'm going to fast 24 hours tomorrow, mm. not a good idea. So go <laughs> low and slow. Start with maybe a 12 hour fast, which includes your sleeping window and then build up from there. Mm -hmm. That's the first mistake. Second mistake is um, not understanding that you could use crutches during your window. So let's say you're new to it and you want to go for 18 hour fast tomorrow mm -hmm. and you want to deal with water only, which is probably the best thing to do for most results, water and sea salt, but you're at the 15 hour mark and you're struggling. You're like, I don't feel that great. Well then have some crutches. It's okay mm -hmm. uh, to have some coffee with some fat, to have some tea, maybe have a little bit of some broth. No, it's not a traditional fast. But if it's, going to, if it's going to help you keep that window going and keep insulin low, I'm all for that. So that's the second mistake, not understanding you could use crutches. Right. Third mistake is, uh, if I'm remembering this correctly, breaking your fast. You got to break it the right way. Hmm. And there is a wrong way to break a fast and a right way to break a fast. The wrong way is with a combination of high carbs and high fat. Not a good idea because you're going, it's going to slow down your weight loss efforts because your hormones are going to be sensitive 
by the end of a fast, insulin is one of those hormones. So when you get that glucose spike, like from cheese and crackers or avocado toast, that's fat and carbs. When you get that glucose spike from the carbs, insulin will then shuttle that glucose to your cells, which is great. But then if you have fat with the meal, fat will go along with it. It'll slow down your weight loss effort. So we don't want to do that. Mm. We want to break the fast with primarily protein and some fat. And then if you're going to have carbs, wait about an hour after that would be the best way to do it. The fourth mistake is not testing your glucose and ketones. Um, because if you're fasting during a stressful state, let's say you got poor sleep or you're just stressed out at work, you're stressed out with what's happening in the world or whatever reason, fasting is also a stressor to the body. And if you have too much stress going on, it's not going to benefit you. It's going to hurt you. You want to make sure your sleep is good. Your stress is good. So by looking at your glucose and ketones, it'll give you a good idea if you should keep that fasting window going, or if you should break the fast. So what you want to see during your fast is glucose gradually declining and, um, ketones increasing. You want to see that trend. If you see the opposite of glucose going up and ketones dropping, it's too much stress for you. Cortisol is too high. You're in a stressful state, break the fast. And then the last one is understand that um, feasting is just as important as fasting. Autophagy is great. Cellular repair is great, but too much of that, not a good thing. You want to balance out autophagy with mTOR, which is anabolic and growth. So too many people, and I was guilty of this myself, fell in love with fasting. You probably did it too, Brian, did too much fasting, but we got to make sure we feast and we fast because that's how our cells are designed and hardwired for feasting and fasting. Too many people forget the feasting part. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. And what about extended fasts? Is this something that you work with people on? I mean, obviously if you have experience, like you said, you want to go slow and work your way into it, but you know, someone who's been like ourselves been doing fasting for years. Um, I guess personally, what, what do you do as far as extended fasts, and then perhaps potentially with clients? I love extended fasting. I think it's a very powerful tool, but you got to know how, how to do it and work with somebody for sure. So I've done five day water fast. I've done, you know, three days, partial fast, five days, partial fast. It's great. The goal for me is to get this maximum autophagy, right? Looking at my glucose and ketones and making sure I'm getting this deep healing, healing state, um, which could typically take three to five days, depending on how metabolically flexible you are. And then you, you really want to break that fast the right way, even more strategic. So on my YouTube channel, on Keto Camp YouTube channel, we have a whole two-day protocol on how to break a block fast. You want to monitor your numbers throughout it. But I think it's great. It's a great way to prevent disease. I mean, if you look at Dr. Thomas uh, Seafried, who wrote the book, uh, Cancer as a Metabolic Disease, he said in his book, a seven-day water fast once per year reduces your risk of cancer by 95%. That's a very powerful statement. Wow. And that's because that of this powerful. maximum autophagy that you get during a seven day water fast. Now I could get that in three to five days. And most people who are metabolically flexible, like you, Brian, could get that much sooner than a seven day fast, but it's a great way to prevent disease per uh, Dr. Seafried's research. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Yeah. I, I have done some extended ones. I definitely uh, don't do them. You know, I would say maybe once a quarter, uh, something that's a three to five day, or uh, is that something that you look at maybe once a quarter or, you know, maybe a couple of times a year? Once a year, I, a year. I typically do. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of due for one now. I haven't done one in over a year, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, once a year is a good goal. And when, and here's leading into this question. What would you say the best time to do fasting? The best time to do fast, like a, a longer fast or fast yeah, maybe. Yeah. Just, well, yeah, probably a longer fast. When would you... So I'll, for, for women, the best time to do a longer fast or fasting in general is their, their bleed week, the week of their period. 
Okay. They're much more resilient. That's when they should do the, the longer fast, more aggressive fasting. The worst time for women who have a monthly cycle is the week before their period. Do not do a long fast <laughs> the week before your period. It will not look pleasant. Um, for men, we can be a little bit more aggressive. So as long as we're getting good sleep and as long as our stress is somewhat under control for men, anytime, uh, as long as we're mastering the stress for postmenopausal women, very similar to men's hormones. So same thing, as long as your stress is under control, you're not too active. You don't have a lot of strenuous exercise that week, then that could be a good idea for a fast. Yeah. I try to find the weeks where I'm busier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep right? your mind off of it. Right takes your mind off of it. You know, it's like, we all know we have those days where we're really busy and we got a bunch of whatever interviews or things like this that are, and you look up and like time just flew and you're like, Oh, I didn't even have anything to eat. <laughs> That's the best time to do it. I agree. When I'm, when I'm busy, I don't even think about eating. You're just eating your body fat, which is the goal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is, I'm curious, have you gotten your body fat measured lately? Have no, I haven't, but okay. that actually, I was just thinking about doing it. So I, I have no idea okay. what it is. What about you? <laughs> Um, you know, I've done a DEXA scan, uh, cause I'll, a lot of times I'll have my clients do one. Um, I haven't gotten one in a little while. I'm a little, I'm about nine, nine and a half in that range. So that's pretty uh, damn good, man. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy with that. I'm happy. Nice. With that. Um, I'm probably in the teens if I had to guess, I don't know somewhere in the teens. I don't know where though. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and, um, what would you say? that, um, someone that's, you say, go, go slow when it comes to getting into fasting. Um, if you have someone that hasn't done fasting or keto, um, what do you think you start with first or do you start them together? Ideally you would start with keto first. You would get fat adapted, um, which is my first pillar in, in the book. Second pillar is fast. So after fat adaption, then we fast, uh, that's the, the best way to do it. Once the body's familiar with breaking down fat, and producing ketones, it's going to make that fast so much more easier. You're going to feel great because now even when you fast, glucose drops in the brain, but then the ketones are here and the brain doesn't panic and you feel really good. So mm -hmm. I would say getting fat adapted and doing keto first for seven to 14 days and then fasting would be the best way to do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what about if a client plateaus? Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who, who, who are on certain whatever diet they're on and they sort of hit a, hit a, hit a wall. Um, is there something that you recommend for that? Yeah, I, I would say there's three things guaranteed in life, death, taxes, and a weight loss plateau. It's just bound <laughs> oh, to happen. Okay. I didn't, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, whenever you hit a plateau, it's important to revisit the fundamentals. How's your sleep? If your sleep's not optimal, start right there. Yeah. How's your stress? If your stress is out of control, work on that. How's your movement? Are you getting your steps, 10,000 steps per day? If not, work on that. Or, and then you could work on you know, strength training, exercise, all that's great, but steps are number one. Right. If you're doing all of that and you're still plateauing, then it's important to shake things up, mix things up. When you think about the best personal trainers in the world, what do they all have in common? They always change up the routine to keep the body guessing and adapting, which helps the client to get results. Same thing with our eating and fasting schedule. So if you're doing the same 16-8 fasting schedule every single day, it's time to mix that up and throw in a 24-hour fast or throw in a 36-hour fast or throw in a five-day fast. Hmm. Or maybe you're doing too much fasting. You throw in a day worth no fasting. If you've been in ketosis for eight months, it's time to flex out because the body's going to go into preservation mode. If you are in ketosis, but you don't want to flex out, eat different keto foods. Your gut microbiome has to adapt to that 
the adaptation is what we want. Adaptation creates uh, mitochondrial fitness. When you mm. force adaptation and change, good cells get stronger, bad cells don't adapt. So the goal here for a plateau, mix it up, change the foods, change your routine, stick with it, focus on non-skill victories like your body fat percentage, like you just brought up, the way your clothes fit, your lab work, and then keep getting healthy and the weight will come off eventually, but don't focus on the scale, focus on the health benefits you're getting. Yeah. Love that. Mixing it up. What type of things, uh, would, would you mix it up? You talk about make, getting your mitochondria healthy. I actually been doing some infrared and some cold plunging. Nice. <laughs> now you're in Miami, you know, for me, I, I can call, I could go in my backyard and lay in the snow and get, get some, uh, hormesis from that. Yes. Um, what type of things do you, or if you do, or do you do, um, as far as, um, you know, hormetic stressors, uh, that can help strengthen your mitochondria? Yeah. I, I, I think cold exposure is terrific. You know, easy for you just go outside and get it <laughs> for me. <laughs> I got to like throw some ice into a tub. Right. Um, I think hormetic stressors are very, very important for adaptation and, and cellular health. So, I mean, for example, I'm standing on a P a PEMF mat right now, as I do this interview, right. So I'm getting, some grounding benefits. I'm getting some benefits. I have a, a panel of red lights here. Oh yeah. Is um, that like have the juve or very similar to the juve? I have four big panels that I do. So I'm getting my red light therapy. Uh, I have this face mask, red light therapy from, um, hmm. a higher dose. I have my infrared sauna blanket down there. So I have all these tools, right? Um, those are the ones I use and it creates a hormetic stress. Now you don't want too much of it, right? There's a sweet sure. spot there. Like cold exposure is great, but you sit in a cold tub for 30 minutes or longer, or you yeah. could hurt yourself. Right. So having yeah. the right dose, depending on your hormetic curve, it's important to understand, but those are a few that I do. So heat exposure through Miami sun, <laughs> PEMF mat, red light therapy, and my infrared sauna uh, blanket. Okay. Oh, and the thing you're standing on is what is it called? Just uh, it's called a PEMF mat, um, okay. pulse, electric, uh, pulse electromagnetic field mat from higher like, dose. Do you like that? Do yeah, like terrific. It? I love okay. it. it, it cool. What it does, it, it stimulates or simulates, excuse me, um, grounding benefits, like going out and standing on planet earth. It right. helps thin your blood. It's like taking a handful of antioxidants. So oh, check you know, that I have out. it here and I'm, I'm in my apartment. So might as well get some grounding benefits in my apartment. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cause yeah. Cause like, especially now, like in Chicago, like I'm not really walking outside with my bare feet on, on the, you know, I could, I guess I could do that, but that's hormesis. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, it, it, it sounds like you got some great tools. You should definitely get into and, and try some cold plunging. Cause that'll change you. That'll that's going to, that's going to be a game changer. I think if you haven't done that yet. Yeah. Whenever I do it, I feel, I feel great afterwards. Right. I feel like oh. a rock star. Um, yeah. Talk about challenges. Getting... Even if, if I put my water cold, like in my shower, it's just right. uh, the, the pipes don't get cold enough. Right. So I'd have to strategically get some ice and put it into a tub. Yeah. It's a little more challenging for you. I can, I can see that, <laughs> but you're right. There's so many benefits to it. I agree. Um, and I was going to ask you and it just sort of, Oh yeah. So for monitoring ketosis, are you using, I noticed on your website, um, like that, like a keto, uh, mojo or something like that to monitor, or is that just maybe walk us through how you would do that? Yeah. First of all, I tell people don't chase ketones, chase results. You don't want yeah. higher ketones, just like you don't want higher glucose, but there is a sweet spot. And I do think in the beginning, it's important to look at your glucose and ketones. Uh, there's three ways to test ketones. Uh, there is, uh, acetoacetate, which is in the urine. 
there is acetone in the breath, and then there's a beta hydroxybutyrate in the blood. Mm -hmm. The acetoacetate in the urine is not very accurate. So I would throw that out. I wouldn't use urine strips. A lot of people do because they're cheap, but if the body and the brain is metabolizing the ketones, which is what you want, the acetoacetate will not spill out on the urine and it'll give you a false negative. So it'll just give you bad results. Acetone in the breath, breath meters have been hit or miss over the years, but Biosense makes a good one. So if I was going to use one, it would be Biosense. I've interviewed them a couple of times, okay. but the gold standard is still beta hydroxybutyrate blood. So I use Keto Mojo. I love Keto Mojo because it gives you both blood glucose and blood ketones. And I would say the sweet spot for ketones, blood, 0.8 to 2.8. If you're in that range, that's a good, good marker for, you know, the, 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 whatever your protocol you're following is working for you. You're in nutritional ketosis at that point. Yeah. I think I, that's one thing I haven't, haven't done. I think that's going to be for the new year. My new Ooh, yeah. That'd yeah. be good. We'll talk about it when I interview you on my show. Okay. Yeah, no, that would be great. I'll, I'll, I'll have to get one. And, uh, I'm curious cause so, so you just take it, you just do it obviously once it, once it, we don't have to probably do it every day, but you, you test yourself from time to time. And then I'm assuming when you have your days where you're getting out of your flexing, uh, you, you retest just to see that you've gotten out of it. Is that sound about right? Yeah, exactly. You could do it that way. And then when you go back into ketosis the next day or, or your, the protocol for keto, you could test to see how quick it takes you to get back in, which is a good sign of metabolic health too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to add that to the, to the repertoire. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Um, before we finish up here, maybe perhaps, uh, this is a question I ask, uh, most of my guests, I, I asked them if you, if you, if you wanted to, if you had someone came to you, they wanted to get their body back to what it once was, let's just say 10, 15 years ago, what would, what would be one of your, your biggest tips that you'd give that individual? Mm. Uh, I would say that you, you cannot heal a body that you hate. Okay. Dr. Will Cole said that my friend, Dr. Will Cole, you cannot heal a body that you hate. I would take that a step further and say, you cannot heal a body that has any hate, hate for yourself, hate for other people. So eliminate the hatred, the resentfulness and switch that for vitamin G gratitude. Vitamin yeah. G is if there was a magic pill that could reduce inflammation, help you live a longer, healthier life, help you reclaim your body. That would be vitamin G gratitude, uh, because what you appreciate, appreciate. So develop a gratitude practice. Whenever you find yourself with a toxic thought, a stinking thinking thought, switch it for a healthy, abundant, loving, grateful thought. And the better you get at that, the you're going to lower inflammation. You're going to help heal your body. So I would start right there. And then of course the keto, the fasting and, and, <laughs> and sleep and all that. But if you don't have, if you're not exercising first, it doesn't matter what you do out exercising wise, exercise first. So I would say love and gratitude to the biggest healers that you have in this world. They're free. It's easy to do and it's easy not to do, but the more you get into a practice of it, I'm telling you, it'll reduce inflammation and you'll be able to reclaim your body and everything else that you do. Supplements, diet, fasting will upgrade by default when you focus on love and gratitude. Well said. Well said. You definitely went a route. I wasn't sure where you were going to go, which, which angle you could go, but I like that vitamin G. That's you right. got to coin that term. You might... <laughs> I know, right? You got to get a patent on that thing. Yeah. Maybe that'll be your next book. <laughs> I, I always talk about gratitude. You know, I always lecture on it. So maybe I, I love it. I think it's so important. Yeah. I love that. And, and, and when do you normally do your gratitude? Uh, do you do, do, do journal like in the morning at night? Is that something you, you do? 
The best time to do it is in the morning and before bed. That's when the subconscious mind is highly impressionable. Mm -hmm. So I do it first thing in the morning for sure. I have a, a notepad by my nightstand. I'll write down 10 to 15 10 to 15 things I'm grateful for. And then right before bed, I'll write down 10 to 15 things that I'm grateful for that happened during the day. Mm. Um, and I have, I haven't missed a single day of writing gratitude and goals in, in about six years. I've been super consistent. Mm. I have notebooks and notebooks just filled with gratitude and goals. So I, I understand that what you appreciate appreciates, and I want to, you know, get more things to appreciate. So I'm going to focus on, on all the things I'm grateful for. There's always something to be grateful for no matter what. Yeah, no, that's well said. And I can definitely feel your energy. And, and uh, I don't know, you have, I have, you know, a lot of guests that come on and everyone's been great, but you can sort of feel when someone has that, that sort of inner peace and that gratitude within them. So I can definitely feel that. And so thank you, Brian. That's yeah, awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I appreciate you coming on Ben and I look forward to coming on yours in a, in a few months here. And um, thanks for dropping a ton of knowledge on us today. Thank you for having me on your show. You're doing amazing work. Can't wait to bring you on my Keto Camp podcast. Let's keep educating. And uh, I appreciate you having me today. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Hey, Get Lean, Eat Clean Nation. Are you a man between the ages of 40 and 60 years old looking to lose inches around your waist, have significantly more energy throughout the day, and gain muscle, all while minimizing the risk of injuries? Well, I'm looking for three to five people to work one-on-one -on -one with in my Fat Burner Blueprint Signature Program, which I've developed by utilizing my 15 years experience in the health and fitness space. This program is designed specifically for those committed to making serious progress towards our health goals over the next six months. We will focus on sleep, stress, nutrition, meal timing, and building lean muscle. If this sounds like a fit for you, email me at brian at briangrin.com with the subject line, blueprint. That's brian at briangrin.com with the subject line blueprint. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.